0: Thanks, you can have a seat. We're so glad that you're here, that you're worshiping with us this morning. And uh, over the past few weeks, we have been uh, involved in a study and we're talking about the distinctives of the church. And we're talking about some of the qualities, some of the things about the church that makes it different than other organizations, than other social groups. And we've talked about worship, we've talked about fellowship, we've talked about um, just what the body looks like as it functions. and we're going to this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that God has ordained leadership within the body, and that leadership is different. It's distinct from world leadership. It looks different. How important is leadership? Well, I think if you've spent much time watching the countries around the world in the last little while, you realize that leadership matters a lot. It's very important. And there are those who have said that leadership or that everything rises and falls on its leadership. And at some point, people have to step up and take a lead and and lead in a direction, there was an old gentleman that uh, owned a farm next to the farm that I grew up on, and uh, I had the privilege of working for him uh, in his older years, and uh, he, he would direct us. He, he didn't do a lot of the work at that point, but he would direct us, and he would tell us guys, young, young boys really at that point, and he, he would say, you can't hesitate, you just got to work. And his whole thing was that you, you can't wait around. you got to step in and you got to get involved and you got to take the lead at some point or work doesn't happen. And I remember him sitting on his, his picnic table and uh, the hay would come in and he would say, boys, don't hesitate. Just start working. And uh, that was the point of taking lead: Just go. Do the work. Take leadership. Uh, act on it. In every major event in history, there have been those who are leaders, some good some bad. Some who have taken the lead and directed countries and nations and smaller groups of people to do amazing things because somebody took the lead. I don't know about you, I'm a history buff, and so when I think about leaders, there's a list of names that go through my head and I can't help it. People like Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant and Stonewall Jackson and Churchill and Winnifield Scott and MacArthur. Then I think about our day and age and I think of guys like Billy Graham, who made such a difference in our country, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr. I think about the church and I think of uh, Jonathan Edwards and Charles Spurgeon and Hudson Taylor. There are people who come to your mind who are on a national scale, have done amazing things and they've been incredible leaders and have led amazing things. But in my mind, there's also leaders that you probably don't know. There's guys like, like Tom Sutherland and, and Dan Scott who led my research and survey team when I was on the mission field and did such an amazing job. There are people who probably have led you in ways that when you look back, their names and their pictures flash to your mind. Uh, My dad in my own home is one of those people who does that, who was so consistent in his walk with God. In everything he did, he just lived out Jesus Christ every day. He didn't make a lot of big statements, didn't make a big splash, but he lived Jesus Christ every day in front of me. He was a leader who just led effectively. I think of a little old lady, Mary Sharp. Mary Sharp, bless her heart, put up with, I think we were eight and nine-year-old boys in a Sunday school class. I don't know how she did it. There was 11 to 13 of us. And we about drove her around the bend, I'm sure. But dear old Mary Sharp taught us week in and week out. And then when her husband passed away in her elder years, I went down and I worked for Mary Sharp at her house. They had a little farm And she would get behind, and I would go down, and I would work. And Mary Sharp was just an example and a picture of the love of Jesus Christ in everything that you did. She led. She was a leader. And you probably have a picture of people who have done that in your life. Oh yes, on a giant scale, there are people who you look at and go, wow, those people are incredible leaders. But there are probably a bunch of leaders who are small, smaller in, in, in stature maybe, but probably greater in influence in your life than a lot of those folks who are on the national stage. Leaders. 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 See, what I've realized in my life, and you've probably heard this said, that most of what we learn is caught and not taught. Let me say that again. Most of what we learn in life is caught. It's not taught. Now, it's a form of teaching. And don't stand after we leave here and say, Pastor Tim doesn't think teaching is important. I've just spent 30 years of my life preaching the word of God, teaching classes, teaching small groups. So don't go home and say that. That's not true. But what I've realized is spending time with people, living life with people, having leaders who have shown up in your everyday life that you have rubbed shoulders with, that you have worked beside, that you have walked life with, you catch principles from them that are not taught in word alone because you live it with them. And so much of what we learn and who we become, we catch from those people that are closest to us. Parents, grandparents, I want you to think about this for a minute. You can say all kinds of things. You can quote scripture every day but those children that have been entrusted to you are catching what you're doing every day. They're catching how you're living your life every day. They're catching the principles that you're staking your life on. They know them because they've seen you live them. And they're catching from you what you really believe is important because it's how you're living your life Most of the truths we learn are caught. So as we look at the church and the distinctives of the church, we come to the role of leadership in the church. And God put a lot of emphasis on the leadership of the church. Because leadership matters. It's a structure that helps the church be the body that God wants it to be. Now, the thing about leadership in the church that makes leadership in the church so different from the world is the definition of leadership in the church is different than the world's definition of leadership. Definition of leadership in the church is seen in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's a servant. It's one who's willing to give of themselves for another for the good of the whole, for the good of the body. It's not about what they can gain from their leadership. It's not about how they're seen in their leadership. It's not about the praise or the worship that that would come their way in being leadership, in leadership. God has ordained the leadership of the church as those who would serve the body for the good of the whole, the good of the body itself. And so this morning, we want to look at that. When we look at leadership within the world, so many of the CEOs of business and those who are in secular leadership, their heart behind leadership is how far I can climb up the ladder, what I can grab, what I can get, how much I can take with me, how well I am known, how much I can accumulate. And church leadership is nothing like that or shouldn't be. I'm not going to say it isn't. Because there are times and places where that's what it's become about. But that's not what God had in mind the need for leadership in the church started very early in the formation of the church and I want to show you that this morning I want you to understand that this wasn't something that just showed up later along in the church because there was problems I want you to see that from the very beginning God structured the church with leadership and he designed it so that the church could grow and develop and here's the point of it it wasn't so there could just be this giant entity known as the church it was so that many 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 people could come to know Jesus Christ that was the purpose it's the purpose of the church and it's the purpose of the leadership in the church is to point folks to Jesus Christ so here's what was happening Jesus had walked on the earth remember the gospels and he had done ministry he was here really for three years of ministry that was it and he healed people and he he preached the gospel about what he was going to do, that he was going to die for the sins of people. And he lived a perfect life while he was here. And ultimately, at the end of those gospels, you realize at the end of those three years of ministry, he went to the cross and he died. And he shed his blood on that cross, his perfect blood, the perfect lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. And then three days later, as he said he would, he rose again and the tomb was empty. And he went to heaven, but he came back. Remember, he talked to the disciples and he said, hey, I have something special that I'm going to do for you. And so the disciples waited for that. And they went, we know the upper room, and then we hit Acts and the church is about ready to start. And the d- disciples are afraid and they're hiding and they're waiting. And he does come back. He sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes on the, on the disciples' And he breathes on them the power of God himself. And he says, now I want you to go and I want you to tell everyone about what I've done. And I want you to to introduce them to the saving grace and the saving love of me, Jesus Christ. And so the disciples do that. And if you read Acts 1, 2, and 3, you'll find this, that as the disciples went out and they began to preach, and Stephen preaches the first message that's given. He, he gives an invitation in that message. And you read the passage of Scripture, and at the end of chapter 2, it says this, and, and people were added to the church. Do anybody know what it says? Daily. Because the good news of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit was being shared by the disciples. And it says this, that every day more and more people were coming to know Jesus Christ. And they continued to tell the truth about Jesus. And more and more people said, yes, I need to be forgiven. And they gave their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. And it scared the leaders. And as it scared the leaders, persecution began to happen on the church. But the church grew under the persecution because they understood their need for Jesus Christ. Well, you get a little farther along and now the church has grown in chapter 6. And you realize this, that now there's people in the church. (laughs) What happens with people? You know? Problems! (laughs) You and I are people. And guess what? We tend to be selfish at times. I know it's not often. You don't struggle with it much. But we're people and we see things differently and we understand things differently. And that happened in the book of Acts. And all of a sudden there was two groups of Jews who felt like the disciples weren't being fair in how they were helping the widows. And so a, a voice arose out of the body and they said, hey, this isn't happening right. And so the disciples said, okay, we've got to do something with, about this. Acts chapter 6, let me read it for you so you see it. The 12, the disciples, summoned the whole company of the disciples and said it would not be right for us to give up preaching the word of God to wait on tables. So the dispute that came up was this. We help widows. We give them food. We we, we help them along in their journey so that they're, they're not homeless and they, they have food to eat and their families are okay. And, and, and the people said, yeah, but this group seems to be getting more than this group. And the disciples said, yes, that's a big problem. Somebody has to look after that. And so they called all the people together and they said, look, this is a real problem. But if we look after this problem, we're going to have to stop preaching the word of God and we're going to have to stop spending the time knowing the truth of God and getting that out to people. So brothers and sisters, this is part way through that passage. Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom whom we can appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer into the ministry of the word. And so, right at this point, early in the church, early in the church, churches just started, it's growing, stops happening, it's good. There's a problem. And God looks at the church and he says, Leadership is needed. And I want to I want I want to make leadership distinct. And so he says this through the disciples. He said, Look, it's really important that you guys. Don't stop sharing the message of the truth of who I am, the gospel. But it's also really important that the physical needs of the body are met. Both are important. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to set up a leadership structure and I want the disciples to teach the word of God. Those are called the elders, we're going to find out as scripture goes on. And then I want some, some men of God, some people of God who love God and their whole heart is for God. And I want you to look in the body and I want you to find those people who are all in for God. Their reputation is great, the same as the elders, and I want them to do the meet the physical needs of the body and those are called the deacons in the church. See the leadership structure? Now I need to stop here because I need you to understand something about this leadership structure. Because this was very true of the early church, and it should be true of the church here today. This leadership structure is not a pyramid scheme. It's not somebody at the top and everybody else, the farther you go down, the wider it gets, and they're not as important. That's not how it works in the church. That's not it. The leadership structure in the church of Jesus Christ is about role and function. That's what it's about. Role and function. And you'll notice that that the leadership structure of the church is about gifting, which is different. God gives gifts to people to lead, to do specific jobs for the good of the church, the body as a whole. Not for the good of individuals. That's not why it happens. And so when God looks at his church and he says, I want these disciples to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not better than everybody else. It's just the role. It's the function that he gave them. He says, look, I want them to live for me. I want them to honor me. And by the way, let me stop here for a minute, because sometimes we look at these roles and we look at the qualifications, which we're going to get to in just a minute. And we say, oh, that's for those people because they're up there. That's not how the Bible is written the qualifications for elders and deacons that we're going to get to, they're for everybody. They're for the whole body. Nobody gets a pass on any of these qualifications, by the way. It's expected of the whole body. It's just when we look at our leadership, those qualifications should be found in them. But it's for the whole body. And so this isn't a pyramid scheme. This isn't that somebody's higher than the rest. God looks at it and he says, look, I've placed these abilities, this leadership skill on these people because I want them to lead and I want it for the good of the whole body. And so he says, we have some elders that were chosen for elders and we have some of those who are going to meet physical needs that are chosen for deacons. Now, let me show you these qualifications. They're found in Titus chapter one. I don't want you to think I'm making this up this morning. So here it is, Titus chapter one, verses five through nine. And this is Paul, he says this, the reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone. And as I directed you, and here it goes, to appoint elders in every town where there was a church. An elder, and here's the qualifications, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not accused of wildness and rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. So, an elder, and as I was reading through these qualifications, There's really nothing that crazy about any of them. We read these sometimes and say, wow, this person's going to be. No, all he's saying is, look, I need somebody who's going to be honest. They're going to have a good reputation in town. (laughs) They're not a bully. They don't push people around. They don't drink too much. They don't pick fights. They love God. They know the truth of the Word of God and they're willing to stick to it. They're willing to stand for the Word of God and not back down. And that's why I told you a minute ago, these are for all believers. Yes, they're qualifications that must be found in an elder, but they're for all believers. We all need to have these qualifications in our lives. And then deacons, he says this about deacons in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 10. He says this, Deacons likewise... See, the same way that elders, the same list that we just gave elders, deacons likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, they can serve as deacons. So you have these two groups of leaders that God sets the church up and he says, look, I want my church to function well. I want it to grow. I want it to develop. And so I'm going to take a group of people called the elders and I'm going to have them look after teaching the word of God and staying on track with the word of God, being pure doctrinally and making sure that the word of God is what drives my church. That's what I want them to do. And I want them to put their time and their effort into the word of God. And then I have a group of people who also have the same qualifications and I want them to look at the physical needs of the body and I want them to meet the physical needs of the body. I want them to be upright. I want them to, to stand in a good reputation and I want them to love the Word of God and I want them to care for the body physically. Now, at Mossbrook Church, we have elders. Klaus Stan, Steve Coombs, Tim Yates, Pastor Mike, myself. Are the elders of the church. We have some deacons. We have Dan Jack and Robert Wessels at this point. Deacons are new for us. We've just started instituting and putting deacons in order. As the body grows the same way in Acts, the physical needs get greater and it's harder to look after. But we've done what the, what the Bible tells us to do, to look after the body of the church. Now, We've done that, and those people that I named, those are not up here, and everybody else is down here, because God gave the church leadership, why? For the good of the body as a whole, the church as a whole. Let's say that again, because I don't think you caught that. I've said that seven times now. You're supposed to get it at that point, okay? Here it is. The leadership of the church is, is there for the body as a whole, not for those individuals, but for the body as a whole. Now, what's the purpose? Why would God set it up so that there's leadership who, who aren't out for their own good? They're not looking for anything special to their self. Why? What's the purpose? Why would God do that? Why would he design it that way? I am glad that you asked because now I can finish my sermon. If you hadn't asked, we'd have to stop right here. Ephesians 4. Follow along with me. Verses 11 to 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And I want you to catch this phrase here. See it with me. What's it say? To what? To equip the what? Saints. The saints. Let's do that again because I don't know if te- theaters two and three were with us. So you ready for this? Here it is. What's it say? To what? To equip the saints. For what? ho! Oh, hold it. You mean we don't hire people for the work of the ministry? See, that's very North American. We just hire it done, right? I'd rather not do that. Let's hire it done. That's not how the church works. God, in his wisdom, looked at the body as a whole, and he said, in order for this body to function the way it needs to be, If you look at other passages of Scripture, it says this, that every part would do its part. And he looks at the church as a body, a physical body, and he says, look, if there are members, if there are parts of the body that are missing, then the church suffers, the body suffers. And so he looks at leadership and he says, look, I'm going to appoint and I'm going to ordain Elders who will teach the Word of God, and they'll keep us on track with the Word of God. They will keep us doctrinally sound. They will make sure that what we're teaching is not from the Reader's Digest. Does that even exist anymore? But it's not from good housekeeping, or it's not from, it's from the Word of God. And those elders are going to keep us on track and they're going to keep us in the word and they're going to make sure they're going to protect the body with the word of God. And then I'm going to set some some deacons in place who are going to look after some of the physical needs of the body as a whole. But the reason I'm going to do that is so that they can equip the entire church, the entire body to do ministry. Now, here's why. Have you ever worked with a team of people? Have you ever done a job by yourself? Gets old, fast, whatever the job is. Even if you like the job, it gets old. But if you're with a team of people, that job that got old now moves along. And you can see an end because there's many hands making it happen. Well, when God looks at the body, he says this. Look, elders and deacons, I want you to teach the body to do the jobs of ministry, the work of the ministry, because I've gifted every member to do something within the body. And if every member does the job, it's light work. And you enjoy the company and the fellowship that we talked about three weeks ago. The fellowship of being together and doing ministry together. So God ordained leadership with a very, very set purpose. And the purpose was the growth of the body and the protection of the body, equipping the body to do the work of God. Not the work of Tim, not the work of the elders, the work of God. What's the work of God? It's making Jesus Christ known to all people. That's the mission. Remember we talked about that? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The whole point of the leadership structure of the church is to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and point all people toward the answer, Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's my job as your pastor. It's Mike's job as your pastor. It's the elder's job. It's to encourage us as a body to be on mission for Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are we as a church, and I want you to look at the whole church, the elders, the deacons, the individual members of the body of Jesus Christ, are we as a church, Mossbrook Church, are we fulfilling the mission of God in the structure that he set up? Are you fulfilling your part? Am I fulfilling my part? Am I living what God has asked me to live? Only we can answer that as individuals. And if we are... Then corporately as a body of Jesus Christ, our leadership structure, our movement as a body, our fellowship, our mission, our living life, our worship together will point all people to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. This morning, we want to celebrate the head of the church. We don't want to celebrate elders. We don't want to celebrate deacons. They're great positions, but we don't want to celebrate them. We want to celebrate the head of the body, Jesus Christ. And we're going to do that by taking communion together this morning. We're going to focus our attention on the one that really matters, Jesus Christ. The band in a minute is going to lead us in a song. I'm going to ask you to remain seated as they lead us in that song. And they're going to play through that. And as they're playing that song, they're going to pass out the bread and the cup. And as they pass out the bread and the cup, I'm going to ask you just to hold on to it because after the song, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to lead you in taking the bread and the cup together. Now, the point of that is that all of us as the body of Jesus Christ, those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the point of communion is that all of us who are in Christ would focus our attention back on him and be reminded of what he's done for us the leadership structure of the church, the worship of the church, the function of the church should always point us back to the head of the church, Jesus Christ. So can I give you an encouragement and a warning as we prepare for communion this morning? A warning. If you ever find yourself as a Christ follower in a church, Mossbrook Church included, That takes your attention off Jesus Christ, don't stay. The point of the leadership and the function of the church is that all would see the head, Jesus Christ. Him and only Him. That's the warning. Can I encourage you? See Jesus. would you every day see Jesus? Would you as a believer point your heart and your mind toward Christ every day? If you do that and I do that, then as a church, we'll point many, many people in the Oxford Hills to Jesus Christ. See Jesus see Jesus. Father, would you help us to see Christ? Would you help us as this song is played that our hearts and our minds would reflect on what you've done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ? chapter 26 says this, that as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take eat, this is my body. Go ahead and take the the, uh, cracker. And then he took up a cup. And after giving thanks, he gave it to them and he said, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. We can take that together. Father, this morning we thank you for your broken body, that you were willing to go to the cross to pay the ultimate penalty for our sin. Thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without spot and without blemish, who could wash us clean of our sin. Thank you for that. Thank you for the reminder in taking communion together that you did that so that we could have new life, that we could have a hope beyond what we face in this life. And that as followers of Jesus Christ, we can pass that on to the folks around us. So would you help us as a church, would you help us as individuals to give away the love of Jesus Christ that we celebrate here today? To focus our thoughts and our attention on the head, Jesus Christ, who did all for us, who sacrificed so that we could have life. Thank you thank you for the reminder this morning of your greatness and your majesty. We worship and praise you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we close?